Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So good evening to you and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview coming to you live from the Valley. My name is Louis Mendes and joining me here in the studio at the Valley is Mr. Tom Wallen. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, Very not good. suffering from any carbon monoxide at the moment? Uh, I don't think so. No, I, yeah, hope not. yeah, hopefully uh, if, if we at any point in the show just go really quiet. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, ring, ring an ambulance. Yeah, because there, there was a carbon monoxide leak here at the Valley last week, which is why we weren't in. Uh, but we are back and also joining us here uh, is Nathan Muller. How are you doing, Nathan? Living the dream. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. What, what makes you live the dream oh, so much? Oh, I don't today? know. There's not been much happening, is there? <laughs> Especially today. Yeah. There's been no news whatsoever, but yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah, excellent stuff. Right, on tonight's show, uh, we will uh, discuss, of course, during the week, Roland Duchatelet, the owner of Charlton Athletic Football Club, was interviewed by Jim White on TalkSport. We're going to discuss in detail what they talked about and uh, what the reaction has been to that interview. Uh, very rare that we actually get to hear from Roland, uh, but he never disappoints, does he, uh, when we do we're also going to hear your responses to that. Uh, we're going to hear Carl's responses to, to that interview as well. Then later on during the show, we're going to hear from a central defender now, Darren Prattley. Uh, he spoke to us after the game at Rochdale. We heard part of that interview on Sunday. Uh, we're going to hear the other part of it now where he's talking actually about uh, converting to a central defender over the last few uh, weeks. We're going to hear... Uh, from Lee Bowyer, of course. If we get a chance, we might talk about some player contracts that have been issued uh, or been offered uh, this week. But if not, he's cert- we're certainly going to hear from the Charlton boss as he looks forward to Saturday's home game with Doncaster Rovers here at the Valley. We're also going to hear from Leon Hoden from the Sheffield Star who's going to tell us how Donny have been getting on so far this season. So, um, interesting week as per always here. Um, obviously, like I said, we weren't here last uh, Thursday or Sunday properly. We just did a, a couple of small podcasts with some interviews uh, but it's a big week to come back into the studio now on Monday uh, on Sunday evening really Jim uh, White announced that he's got he's finally got his interview with uh, Roland Duchatelet that he's been working on for a couple of years uh, he teased it on Monday with a, li- a little clip and then he played it in full on Tuesday um, some pretty interesting stuff comes out now of course we know that Roland uh, much maligned here at the Valley not not everyone's cup of tea unfortunately uh, to, to put it one way um, he has been trying to sell the club that's what he's been talking about for well over a year now still hasn't sold it has caused massive frustration uh, amongst the Charlton supporters who of course have been protesting against him for at least three years now uh, as well so some interesting things come out of the interview I mean the first clip that was on uh on Monday, he he actually he actually started off quite well. He actually came out and said he sympathised with Charlton fans, um, and he felt sorry for them. But then he sort of said it's because they care about the club, and I I don't really because it's only two percent of of what I get up to. So I mean, before I'll probably go through point by point, but that straight away, I mean, we knew that before. He said that to the fans once, where he, in fact he's gone up because it used to only be one point five percent. He told us once mm-hmm. um, of his business uh, interests are at the Valley. I mean. Of all the things you want to hear when you're a club that wants to be going places, is someone, the person who owns it goes, ah, it's only about 2% of my interest, really. Yeah, and I think 
Um, it's very hard to defend him, but when he goes on an interview like that, there's almost nothing he can say that's going to get the fans onside, but there's plenty he can say that will not make things worse. Um, and I think, as you say, when I saw the little headline and I think the quote that TalkSport put out was, I'm very sad for the fans, I feel guilty. You think, okay, is this, you know, even if it is an apology, you, you've got questions to ask. Why is it taking so long? Why is he doing it through a radio station and not to us directly? Blah, 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 blah. But then when you listen to it and actually he comes out and he says, it's because I'm not dedicating my time. It's basically because I don't really care about it. It's a mistake. I should never have bought them. All of this sort of stuff. You go, oh, so actually, maybe he, he's more regretful and feels bad and feels a bit sorry for himself as opposed to the fans. And that's that's more how it comes across. And as you say, he he cares so little about us, really, because it's such a small part of his business empire that it just didn't seem quite as sincere mm. as it first appeared it might be. Yeah, um, yeah, certainly didn't. With, with those comments, it didn't make it sound like he really. Yeah, you know, I think we know we've known it for a while, but and he did admit it was a mistake to buy the club, but we still owns the club. And everyone's really desperate for him to, uh, to to move it on now, especially while he's saying stuff like that. Now, the other thing that was leaked on the Monday in that in that little clip from from Talk Sport um, was again he's he apologised for what he felt was you know the communication at the time. I mean, and there's it's, it's just bizarre. It's, it's, so he felt like. It, it, in, in the longer version, he's talking about how the communications department stopped him from publish from from interacting more with the fans. Because I mean, when he did interact with the fans, we remember that that first time when um, when after the protests against Middlesbrough, uh, where beach balls had been thrown onto the pitch, there'd been a, a mock funeral a funeral procession outside the ground. Um, he came out and did stick out a statement, and it was a bizarre statement. It was a statement that. After a search for a head of communications that had gone on for God knows how long, well over a year, I believe, that head of communications came and ended up resigning after 44 days because she realised that she wasn't in charge of the communications at the club and she couldn't stop the owner putting out uh, a statement that slagged off the fans and had a go at the fans and claimed that he felt that some of the fans wanted the club to fail. Now, he's... First of all, blaming the communication, their lack of communications. Then when he did deliver some communication at the time, it was absolutely crazy. And my question to, to Roland at that time, and, and what on earth does he think he could have said that could have justified what happened during that time here at the club? And even what's happening now. Because if you look at the fact that we, we got relegated that season, that's not because he didn't send out enough tweets. We didn't sign Carol Fryer because he didn't, you know, send a round robbing email. You know, all of these crazy things that happened happened regardless of the communication. As I said on a tweet on on Tuesday or Monday, whenever that came out, you know, his record speaks for itself. No amount of communication is going to fix what happened then and what is still happening now. No, exactly. And the thing, even if it is true about you know the communication team said not for him to not say anything. But I can't really blame them for a because, like you said, the statement he that's brought his, out. That's, that's their job, exactly. Mm. Make the and club also, look good. And whenever he does go out of his own accord and do it, it's absolute pants anyway. So, like, even if you think about it, so even if which we knew he he owned other businesses and it probably wasn't going to be a central focus, you wouldn't come out and say, "Yeah, it's only two percent of my time." You'll just go, "Yeah." Um, you know, I do own other businesses, but I care a lot for this football club. I want to do the best, bloody blah. You know, the same old PR spiel. But it don't goes. Yeah, it's only two percent of the time, mate. So, do you know what I mean? It doesn't really sound anything. So it wouldn't surprise me if the communications teams at that time were saying, "Listen, mate, like turn it in a little bit because you're going to make a rod for your own back." 
and he went beyond, you know, well, we went and done it anyway, like you say, Mel, was it Melbourne, I think it was? Yeah. She left. So it's not a coincidence that someone who's, she's probably really good at her job, she left so quickly because she couldn't hack it. Like you said, cause she, she's not in control of communications because he just goes above everyone's head and does what he wants. So it is bizarre, but yeah, it's, it was just mad. But and I, I just felt, felt a bit bad because when you hear it, it's just like he just blames other people like he's always has done. Mm. And he never takes responsibility for himself. Yeah, I mean, more, I mean, he talks about the protests, which we'll come on into a minute, blaming them for stuff, including the lack of the sale of the club, which is still mm. ongoing now. Um, you know, so, so all right. So one one thing that we did, and I, I, I know people was some people will say, "Oh, Jim didn't go in hard enough." But there's always going to be a fine line between a someone who doesn't know as much about the club mm. as we do, and b I think he did really well to get that interview. And yeah. I personally think it was it was a good interview. There was a couple of bits he could have picked up on, but I was personally really grateful for to, to Jim White for going over there and getting that. Uh, and he did at one point was saying, "Why aren't you selling the club? Mm. Why aren't you selling?" Roland saying, "I'm trying to sell the club." Well, Jim's like, "Come on, you're a you're a billionaire. I'm not sure if he is a billionaire actually, Randy. Certainly a multi millionaire." You know the price of the club, for example. If if say he's this, agreed this price of forty million with the Australians, if that's a rough ballpark, and I'm not certain if that's the correct number, and the Australians, you know, accidentally or you know they've they've agreed that price, which is probably a bad idea anyway because it's too high. But now realise it should be lower. But but Roland's still holding out for that price because that's what he's agreed. I mean, we're going to be stuck in this state of limbo forever. I mean, Roland said during this interview that he's trying to sell the club. He wouldn't talk about the price himself. But, I mean, as Jim said, I mean, if you're that desperate to get out and if you're that sorry to the fans, then why aren't you just selling at a more realistic price? Because if you try to sell this club at a more realistic price, you could have it sold You could have it sold by full-time against Doncaster on Saturday. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think... The, the longer that interview went on, and I agree with you, I think he did well to get it. And obviously, had it been, you know, one of us or, you know, Card interviewing him, it would have been very different. But you've got to remember, Jim White is, is not, and he's not a fan. He's And he's done well to get the interview. And I'm sure Roland will have had a few conditions around over how the questions went and how the interview looked. But he says to him, and, and the longer the interview goes on, he's sort of discussing price and how little Roland's really interested and the fact he really does want to get out. And it gets to the point where... Jim White says to him, well, just sell it, irrespective of a price, because if you sell it for a, a pound, it doesn't make any difference to Roland or his f- children or his children's children. You know, the next 20 generations of his family are fine because he's, an, he's a billionaire. And what's weird is Roland then comes back and he keeps saying, yes, that's what I've tried to do. That's what I've tried to do. That's what I've tried. Well, you haven't. You haven't tried to sell it irrespective of price. You've set a price that you think is acceptable. Nobody else thinks that's acceptable. And you're sticking to that. If you really don't care that about us and we're that much like of a distraction or whatever or you just don't care, just get rid of us. And mm. Okay, maybe not a pound, but find a reasonable level. Find a level that other clubs at this division would be sold for and, and try and make it meet in the middle. And he's he's so stubborn and it's a word we've used about him a lot of times and he's he doesn't want to admit that he's made a mistake, which again we've said a lot of times. So he's picked that price and I don't think he'll deviate from yeah. that. He talks about the protest not helping the, the sale of the club, which we have talked about over the last few weeks because he put out a similar statement maybe mm. a month ago and we, you know, I certainly don't agree that that is the case at all because no one is looking at the card and saying, oh, look, the coalition against Roland Duchatelet. Am I Roland Duchatelet? Yeah. No, no, that's the other guy. If, yeah, if yeah. you buy the club, look at Leighton Orient. And Leighton Orient had massive protests on the field. They had a game, not quite abandoned, because the FA then played it about an hour after everyone went home, <laughs> but uh, uh, delayed uh, for a while. And now look at their owners now. They, they Owners who know the club, understand the league, they come in, they've taken over Orient. It took a while to get their feet under the table, but there weren't immediate protests because they were struggling mm. in the National and League. look how the club season. are doing now. Yeah. Look how they're doing now. They're having a brilliant season. 
Um, so the, to try and say that the protest is uh, affecting uh, the sale would be absolute nonsense in my opinion. He also said that your protest at the time of the relegation didn't help the players. Now this is one where people will say well if Jim had the, the facts to hand mm-hmm. he would have known that we won the majority of those protest mm-hmm. games. The only ones we'd lost were when we were already relegated uh, against Brighton and Burnley who are both now in the Premier League and were on the way at the time. Uh, he will say, I don't think he gives the players much credit here because Ronan said maybe the, the players will, will felt for that the protests were against them rather than Ronan. But again, I mean, we want Roland out. I mean, I don't think Morgan Fox is going, am I? Am I yeah. Ro-? No, no, I'm Morgan. You know, I mean, none of what he was saying to the... Uh, to the trained eye makes any sense no and uh, he was saying you know it doesn't it, it affects the youngsters of the, the protest but like you said you know we won most of the games and it's not the fact that we um you know they that we couldn't play football the fact that we would do it it was affecting the youngsters and we weren't getting the results that we wanted was simply for the fact because we didn't have a good enough team and we were near the bottom of the league and then we, was, we weren't getting our results so it was always going to do that so um, and I think if you speak to any any professional footballer, a lot of them will say as soon as you cross the white line, they don't. You know, they just concentrate on playing football. You know that we've always said this on this show that you know people ain't thinking about contracts on the pitch or anything like that. They just go and get it done. And I think that's what the case. So again, it just proves that he doesn't really know what he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, Mark's just tweeted in saying, "Do you think that the two percent bit uh, that, that Ronan said about the, the club only being two percent worth of his interest uh, was just a play on Katrine Mez? Uh, only two percent of the fans protesting, or am I giving him too much credit? Because it was, like I say, when when he came over to me, I think it was like the target twenty k, maybe a couple of years ago, and he said that it was only one point five percent." Do you think he's, do you think it's gone up to two percent because he was trying to to uh, do you remember, I mean, remember that we are the 2% protest at the Valley. That was one of the, the first big protests uh, where the fans all held up uh, paperwork. I think we went on to lose 3 0 uh, to Ipswich under, under Carol Fry. And uh, I don't know if that is because a couple of fans held a banner up or if it's because we were playing Ipswich under Carol Fry. But no. I mean, do you think do you think that he was a play on that? Or do you think that's just. Uh, no, yeah, exactly. At least he's been consistent for once, but, you know, with, with the other woman. But um, yeah, I, I don't. I just don't see how it's feasibly possible to start blaming protests or someone holding up a banner that it affects the team, um, for me anyway. But um, again, I mean, I don't think he come out in, in, in great light. I mean, that one comment about, you know, that, you know, he felt sorry for us. I was, I was the same. I was like, hang on a minute, is this the same bloke? But then mm. his true colours showed, which mm. we're probably going to talk about more in a minute, but it just... It just beggars belief, really, isn't it? There's two more bits of the interview that I've written down to be picked up, and I'm trying to decide which one I want to go with first because they're both they're both weird. I think I'll, I'll go with the Chris Wilder one first. <laughs> this is the best one. Um, so I remember uh, just after we got relegated, coming coming to a game here at home against it was um, a youth like one of the youth Premier League uh, development Premier Development League whatever it was finals. Trying to play in Hull, I think something like that. Was, so I was sitting here. And we're all discussing oh, apparently Chris Wilder. So this is right after the season. Apparently Chris Wilder's getting ready to come to us, and we're watching videos of him having a go at a journalist. I said, like, "Oh no, not, a fort- not another one." Luckily, we've got Slade instead. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, so, but I was looking at this guy, thinking, "Wow, he's, this Chris Wilder—he seems like a tough cookie, doesn't he? He's a very successful manager." Um, do you, do you, does Chris Wilder strike you as the sort of man who'll sit around in his pants looking at forums just to see if anyone's saying anything <laughs> nasty about him before he signs up to the club because in Roland's world so, so Roland turned up to this interview with uh, with Jim White with a bit of paper and, and talked about Chris Wilder and he hands this bit of paper to Jim and it's a readout from the Charlton Life Forum and he's saying look at this comment from the Charlton Life Forum and Jim reads it and it's a uh, someone sort of and the comment is something along the lines of you know oh he'd be mad to come here to work with Roland and then and then he and <laughs> and um 
and uh, Jim sort of said, and, and it says here the liar, and uh, and he's sort of implying that Roland was a liar, and then and then Roland said, I think he's all about Katrina. So all right, well, <laughs> glad we got that covered. And so he's implying, so, so he's implying that Chris Wilder, the hard Northerner, Sheffield United born and bred, who's just done a superb job getting Northampton promoted against all the odds with massive financial difficulties. So perfect for the job here it would have been, but. Um, he's saying that he sits around reads a nasty comment on the internet and decides not to come to Charlton and instead to go to a really well run club now two things I don't think so and secondly as Charlton Life Forum themselves have now said that is not even that wasn't even one person's comments that was two people's comments that he split together to make them both sound doubly mm. negative when one of the comments was actually quite positive <laughs> welcome him yeah. he just said he'd be, he'd be mad to come here but yeah. I mean what on earth is he doing now the only thing is did he do that himself or did someone hand him that at the time to try and make themselves look a less silly that they've just been mugged off effectively because that's mm. what Chris Wilder mm. was doing it, according to Richard Corley on Twitter and this is pretty much what people were saying at the time as well he played us off because he wanted to go to Sheffield United you you know hate to say it but it happens in football contracts get played off against each other can I get a bit more money off somewhere here can I get pressurise them into bringing me now that's what happened that's what seemed to happen um I mean, why on earth does he think that, that a message on the forum? Why is he even reading it? Yeah, I think. Well, first of all, with uh, whether Roland really knows whether that's a legitimate comment or not, I, I agree with you that I think maybe somebody else has put that together for him, as he said himself. We're two percent or whatever of his time, so he's got other people doing that kind of stuff. And if someone wants to kind of create some sort of PR around that message, then they're going to do that for him. Um, yeah, Chris Wilder is not going to be put off by statements on there, particularly, as you say, as the majority of those comments were saying, like, how lucky are we to get him considering the basket case of a club we are and best of luck to him. And as you said, he'd be mad to come here, but if he does, he'll be a really good manager for us. And I think we all agree. And um, yeah, I don't think that that was, well, I think we all know that that was absolutely nothing to do with it. And we know other managers maybe did read those forums and think other stuff and maybe get a bit influenced by it. But as you say, Chris Wilder is not the sort of man who who's going to be put off by that. And I think partly, I think he played him off, and partly he knew he knows the state of the club. Like he's not stupid; he's going to do his own research and he's going to find out about the state of the club. And it, it, like finding out the research through Chart and Life or through other people or just reading the national press, he knows the state of the club. Those people who are commenting saying the club's in a bad state aren't lying. They're saying that because the club's in a bad state. So if that's enough to put off Chris Wilder, that's mm. not because he read it on Chart and Life. That's because that's the problem. It's not like they brought so, out an exclusive, yeah. is it? Yeah. yeah. So again, it's not like someone goes, "Oi, Chris, did you know the club's in a real bad state?" <laughs> no way. He yeah. can see it in the national press. Yeah. So even if that is what put him off, it's not because of Chart and Life. That's because <laughs> the club was in a bad state. I don't know if anyone's seen, seen the, <laughs> the video because they actually put out a video yeah. of that clip. And Roland, Roland's face when he hands over that bit of paper, the little so smirk on his face yeah. is like, yeah. He's like, I've got him here, I've got him. Look what I've got. This is, <laughs> this is like, it's like in the OJ Simpson trial when the glove didn't fit. Look what I've got. This is, ir- <laughs> this, this evidence is undeniable. Um, and then he says, oh, and, where's, and where's Chris Wilder now? He's like, doing a brilliant job at Sheffield United. How many signings have they made? You sold one of our players to them quite cheap, actually. Um, although he ended up back at Oxford. Anyway, right. Um, finally, now um, the, the contracts was brought up because that is an important part because that is a something that is affecting this club now. Um, 
and Roland again pumped out the line that he all contractual bonuses has been paid. Now, if anyone saw Rick Everett's tweet on probably would have been Wednesday. Uh, now I know that the Charlton Athletic, uh, we, the the football league announced that they were going to meet with the Charlton staff, and I know that now happened. That happened on Tuesday, I believe. And according to Rick's tweet. It looks like that Roland's going to be made to look a little bit silly here because as there's no way the staff would have done this unless they were confident that they are legally owed that money despite what Roland's being told or is saying. Now he's being said, but so it sounds like the EFL have certainly looked at this and and I believe they I think they're going to put ask Roland to look at this again because it sounds like once again. Roland's not done his homework on this one. It sounds like he's he's made a bad decision on this, and that the fact that he seems so cocksure in it and talking about again, I and mean, again, it was talked about at the time about the club not making a profit. We know the club doesn't make a profit. It never is going to in League One. That's no reason to deny your staff who've hit the bonuses that you've set that your your staff here at the Valley have set them. Deny them a bonus that therefore they believe that they're owed. Yeah, exactly, and <clears throat> I think. Um, him only contributing two percent uh, of this club is obviously trying to. It's going to make him look very silly now, isn't it? Because mm. he's obviously not taking too much attention to it. But uh, yeah, if we've, we've we've got sort of run the rule over it before, but if if they've been set a target to try and make the the club more profitable, if you want to call it that, or they've got they've been set individual targets, they should be paid on it because, like you say, how many football clubs do run on a profit? I mean, it's imp- not many will run on a profit, especially at this level, like you said. So, I don't know. So, I mean, if if, if it comes out of that meeting um, that happened and he's been made to look at it again or asked to look at it again, rather, um, then that that can only be a good thing because I think the guys that work here, the guys and girls who work here, uh, work very hard, and which we all know, um, and they deserve something. But it'll be interesting to see now how it all pans out especially because it's, it's going to rile him up a little bit as well mm. because he doesn't really like being troubled to death, yeah. does he? So. Yeah. Well don't forget like um, the, the, the full talk sport interview once you finish listening to Charlton Live of course is uh, it is online and it is worth a listen now I know mm. some I know some people sometimes you don't, just don't want to listen to him but it is it's always good to listen to the other side of it and see you know you, then then maybe they'll change your mind but it's unlikely um, but it's worth it's worth listening to now there, there is a response that came from the coalition against Roland Duchatelet um, they say card welcome Jim White's interview with Roland Duchatelet uh, on TalkSport um, as a further demonstration of the owner's inability to put forward any credible defence of his ownership of Charlton in particular we regard his attempt to blame his own failures on hard working communication staff and long suffering fans in one case highlighting a single post on a message board by an unknown individual to be absolutely pitiful it was his decision to have no head of communications throughout 2014 and 15 and the one he appointed in 2016 walked out after seven weeks because he insisted on publishing an incoherent rant that was widely ridiculed in the media he is content to blame junior employees while lauding his own senior appointments who were supposedly in charge and apparently doing a good job despite the overwhelming factual evidence of their failure he did mention that he felt that Katrine was a a, a very uh, good uh, CEO here at the club. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Duchatelet says that the team was only relegated from the championship in 2016 by a few points and invites listeners to conclude that match day protests affecting the players may have been decisive. In fact, the team was relegated by nine points plus a substantial goal difference and was already down before two of the four games interrupted by protests. These were against automatic promotion contenders Brighton and, championships and champions Burnley. The other two matches... 
that were protests were against Middlesbrough on March the 13th and Birmingham on April the 2nd. Charlton won both games despite winning only over only nine overall that season. That hardly suggests the players were negatively affected. Card is confident that based on this interview, the vast majority of Charlton fans will be even more convinced of the need uh, to get Duchatelet out of the club. And he, as he claims that he is not concerned about the sale price, and the club said, it, uh, and the club recently said it had five interested parties. It's hard to understand why this has not already happened. Perhaps, and then and then they had, but perhaps those statements are not true either. I mean, Card certainly didn't change their tune after hearing the interview. Uh, it sounded like Roland didn't quite get them on side. No, and and it's not a surprise. And. Yet again, as with the incoherent rant that they mentioned there, as with the other statements that he's made, as with the other interviews he's made, their follow-up statement is far more succinct, far, far more to the point, far more uh, like makes sense, uh, answers a lot of his points. Basically, it kind of mocks it, but but with good reason because it just picks apart everything he says, and we've said it like everything he said on that in that interview there it's it's just wrong <laughs> don't want to come over all Lee Boya but, <laughs> but it's wrong and it, he he's just he's not I don't know if he's, he's not making the game is he he's, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he knows what he's saying if he's being fed that information if he's trying to get away with it I don't know what it is but you read that statement and that just tells you everything you need to know Chris Wilder could have read that and he, that would have told him everything like that what cards say whether you like them or not or agree with their methods or not what they're saying it tends to be in line with what everyone's seeing when they come to the club Mm. so it's hard to disagree with it Uh, Ray on the forum said maybe Roland uh, Duchataway has has, uh, been at the Valley recently, uh, long-term, and then he says, long-term exposure to low levels of carbon monoxide can lead to neurological symptoms such as difficulty thinking or concentrating and frequent emotional changes, for example, becoming easily irritated, making impulsive or irrational decisions. So maybe he has been sat in the studio last week. Although didn't he say he's not coming back? <laughs> well, hopefully. I think he was asked, wasn't he, by Jim? Oh, yeah, well, he said he doesn't feel safe yeah. here at the Valley. Um, don't know why, to be fair. <laughs> like, he's been here before. I've never seen anyone physically attack anyone. No. In fact, as pointed out by someone on Twitter, it must have been Rick again, the only people who have ever been physically hurt yep. are protesters who got physically hurt by the rough-handed mm. uh, security guards. Who uh, I mean, that caused a whole lot of bother, didn't it, at the time? <laughs> right, Peter Beerlin uh, on email says, as people from the outside of club many uh, have said many times before, we are a basket case of a club. What have we done to deserve an owner that is so incompetent? We start the season with such a small squad that we can't fill the subs bench. We sign some good players on loan, but the squad is still too thin. A couple of inevitable injuries later, and we can't perform consistently if we have two games per week because of because they're all knackered. He goes, our midweek league game so far this season, Oxford home, which was a draw, Scunthorpe away lost, Peterborough home lost, says he can't wait for the Walsall and Burton Albion games. Yet, uh, yet another long, fruitless season in this crap division ahead, it seems, Peter uh, Beerling not too happy. Now, I also asked for some uh, free word reviews of the uh, interview between uh, Jim White and uh, Roland Duchatel. If I'm being honest, I got what I was expected, so I'm going to have to clean <laughs> yeah, a few I mean, of these. did you get about one? No, I've got that, a few. What, that doesn't have no swearing in it? Oh, right, yeah, about two. Um, but <laughs> no, uh, Dan Gray said, I'll, I'll clean some of them up for you. So, three word reviews of the interview that Roland Duchatel gave to Dan, uh, not to Dan, to Jim White. Sorry, Dan says, ridiculous, spineless, and atrocious. Uh, uh, Les says, it is real, uh, real Belgian waffle. Uh, ben Hunt says it was absolute tosh, huh? Uh, Tim says it was more Belgian waffle. Uh, Kevin Taylor says it was lies, damn lies. Will Bollins had a few, says loads of waffle, or Roland doesn't understand. He says, or oh, chop, all chop and life's fault. 
Uh, and then his final one is deluded Belgian and then redacted. Uh, Smudge said disinformation, evasion, and deception. And uh, Will Boland just says that Roland reads Charlton Life. Well, I know he certainly does. Um, like I say, into the reaction to that um, that statement at Middlesbrough the, after the Middlesbrough game. Now, don't forget that that statement just so happened to be published uh, during a Charlton under twenty threes match and. Uh, it was published very much in the open air and therefore some of us were able to uh, know exactly where it came from and were straight on the forum saying oh my god I can't believe you said this um, and uh, not long after there was an email from Roland so I knew that night he was reading Charlton Life just to see how it he was, he was reading it to see how it went down he was probably thinking oh can't wait yeah. to see how it, everyone's going to love me after Finally, this they've forgiven me yeah. <laughs> and he was sad uh, Seb Lewis <laughs> says Chris Wilder also didn't come to us because his boyhood club came for him he only had one choice once that happened like I say I mean he he was always going to go there by the sounds of it. I mean, it would, it would have been great if he had came here, mm-hmm. um, but he didn't. Uh, Seb Lewis said three words, yeah, right, whatever. Right, um, I think we will move on from that interview with uh, with, with Jim and Roland. Uh, if you want to have your say on that anymore, don't forget we'll have Sunday's show as well to talk about it more. We'll be back in the studio, uh, barring any more leaks of any uh, unpleasantness. Um, so we'll uh, we'll talk about that some more on Tuesday evening. Let's get back to looking at the football. That's why we're here. Uh, that's why we come to the Valley uh, every other week. And while we go to away games as well, we want to talk about football now. One interesting thing that's happened, obviously, since we've last been on a full show, we've we've, we've dropped points twice, and we had that brilliant win against Barnsley. Uh, we then played uh, Oxford United here at home, where we, we got a draw without playing too well. Then we went up to Rochdale last week, got beaten one 0 and again didn't play uh, too well. But um, obviously, we've had our injury problems at the back. Um, Patrick Bowers out injured, unfortunately. Christian Billick has been out. He did come back uh, for the Rochdale game, but ended up going uh, into cent- in, well, into defensive midfield with Darren Prattley, the midfielder who has now dropped back into the central defence for the last uh, couple of games. So, uh, so we're speaking to him after the one 0 defeat at Rochdale, uh, and obviously played there for Oxford as well. And he says, despite the results, he has enjoyed uh, playing in that new role. Uh, yeah, well, obviously disappointed to. Uh concede a goal um, not normally my uh, my thing obviously I'm a midfielder but um, yeah I, I enjoyed it back there um, we've got good footballers uh, at this club um, some some of the boys who are not even in, in the squad um, that have travelled uh, we've got good footballers um, the way we're playing at the moment in the diamond they're um, they're probably better suited than, than me maybe in midfield so uh, the death has put me at the back and uh, to be fair I've enjoyed it I'm playing against a good player I'm playing with a good player in, in Pearce he was talking me through he was a captain a leader and an uh, um, experienced pro so uh, that helps and uh, um, yeah I, I was, well, I'm happy to be playing um, but we've got good players anyway like what you said we've got Naby Sarr on the bench who's a, a defender with a walk in most times so uh, I'm just happy to be playing and uh, um, hopefully I've I, I done okay Lee's been saying during the week that perhaps if you were happy to shift to centre half you might get a few more years out of your career is that mm. something you could see doing forward going forward um, yeah maybe uh, like I said I've never played there in my career so I've never even thought about playing centre half but um, uh, to be fair I've enjoyed the last few games when I mean, the gaffer said to me the other day that I was playing I, I, no, I played against Stevenage because we uh, we changed the team and we needed uh, players at the back to play that throw but um, yeah yeah uh, I'm, I want to play for the club, um, and sometimes uh, well, I've, I've, I've had a, quite a long career. And uh, sometimes you got to play where you, where there's a position available for you, and uh, hopefully you keep the shirt. What was your reaction when they asked you to play there? Because you said we saw you at Stevenage, but that was mm. yeah, it was in a three man uh, three man midfield uh, three man uh, back line. It was a bit different. Um, yeah, obviously I was a little bit surprised. Like I said, I've never played there before, but uh, the manager said he trusts me. Um, he said I'd be okay, and. Uh, 
to, to be fair, I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, to be honest, um, I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much as I do, um, but I've enjoyed it, and uh, um, we'll just see, see where it takes me. That's Darren Patley speaking after Saturday's 1-0 defeat up at Rochdale. Um, obviously being asked to fill in a new role. Now, we saw him, as as he mentioned there, Nathan, the 8-0 at Stevenage as part of the back three. Mm. I mean, it was, it was very much an experiment there, but, I mean, and you don't really get tested in an 8-0 win, do you? So, um, uh, were you surprised to see him drop back there for Oxford? I mean, he's got the attributes. Mm. He's tall, he's not bad in the air, and he's done fine there. He's done, he's done well. Um, I mean... Did well against Oxford when Billick was back available. Hadn't played so well there against Barnsley. Were you surprised to see that he didn't put Billick back into defence and he decided to continue with Prattley there? Yeah, it did. I mean, in terms of the, the Oxford, no, I weren't surprised. Uh, I think we said on the, the Sunday, I think. We that, had said it, hadn't we? Yeah, yeah but um, just because, you know, Bo's always said about the balance and having Naby and Jason Pierce, who can't use their right foot for anything, um, to have that against... Uh, Ricky O is going to be chasing straight down them. I thought it made it was made sense for that one, but yeah, Rochdale. I did expect uh, Christian to come back in, like you say against the Barnsley, where it, it you know probably was our best performance of the season. So, um, but you know it's all in hindsight. But I, I think Darren Darren can do a job there. Like I say, he's he's tall. He's he's not afraid to put his foot in. Um, I think the only the only downside that you, it will be his positioning and you know maybe his decision making because he's obviously not used to play, being that last line of defence. But um, I thought he's I think he could do a job at this level for sure. So if, in, obviously he did a job and he's done, he's been fine. Now the the question I, I, I suppose about it on, on on Saturday after the game and if you heard Sunday's podcast he does talk about it. He's like well Prattley's been fine there and on paper Billick is very much for me the better player on the mm. ball in the defensive midfield now. He weren't happy with Billick on on Saturday. He 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 got hooked at half time, and when I asked about the Prattley Billick situation, he said he said that he felt that Billick was taking too many touches. Um, but on paper, it made sense that Billick would play better there. Although when we saw him as part of a defence against Barnsley, I mean that defence looked rock solid, didn't they? Yeah, I think it's one of them weird things where we've moaned for so many years about not having enough players. And now we've got two or three players in those positions and we're trying to rotate them and try and find out what's best. But I agree with you. When Billick played against Barnsley, I mean, the whole team were good against Barnsley and I think the whole team have been off for the last couple of games. But I'm like you, I think I don't think Prattley has put, put too many feet wrong in that back four in the last few couple of games. But at the same time, is that enough for a team that wants to be pushing for those top six places to just go, that player did an adequate job? I think we need players to go above and beyond. And I think when Billick was there on the the game against Barnsley I think he did do that um, he showed that little extra bit of class that you need to finish in the top part of this division so yeah I don't know whether after Billick's performance he's going to drop him altogether or whether he's going to change things up for me I'd prefer to see him slot back in alongside Pierce. but um, yeah it's a, it's a difficult one because like I say Prattley hasn't really done anything wrong he's just not not exceeded and gone that extra step which as I say I think we need particularly when we come up uh, against Doncaster at the weekend yeah right we'll talk more about how we think we'll line up against Donny uh, later on in the show now just before we go to a break the addicts uh, the young addicts the under 18s are due to play Whitehawk this evening in the FA Youth Cup uh, they're playing it down at Parkview Road uh there's been a floodlight failure so the game at this moment in time is in doubt so if anyone's thinking about heading down to Parkview Road uh, to, to watch the 18s uh, take on Whitehawk in the in the FA Youth Cup it might be worth just uh, uh, double checking before you leave the house uh, because uh, there's no lights on uh, Brexit's come early I think it seems right let's have a quick break here on uh, on Charlton Live when we'll come back we'll start to gear up uh, for Saturday's home game with Donny. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ball. Looking for the runner, Fosu, who's onside. Fosu, edge of the penalty area. Can he get a shot away? He can, and it's the opening goal. Tariq Fosu sprung the offside trap, gets his second goal of the season, and Charlton's first of the evening, and they're 1-0 up here at the Banksy Stadium. Welcome back, it's John Live, the big match preview here on Maritime uh, Radio. That game in the FA Youth Cup is now off. So that was, uh, I hope you definitely... Break, breaking news. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, most people listen on the podcast, so they would have realised that by the time. But anyway, it's off. Uh, Martin, two <laughs> tweets saying, who's not got their phone on silent? Uh, that's me. So basically, um, I plug in my laptop and I get text through the laptop anyway, so I can't put that on silent, otherwise you won't hear the music. So that's why. <laughs> Sorry about that uh, as well. Right, should we start to look ahead, uh, Donny? Coming down to the Valley on uh, on, on Saturday to, to take on Charlton. Um, the Addicts looking to, to get back to winning ways, of course. Now, for Doncaster, they've uh, started off the season pretty well, although they have just tailed off over the last couple of weeks, a defeat to Sunderland and a draw in there as well. So maybe may a bit harsh to say tailed off, but they haven't got a win in the last couple. Um, but anyway, so during the week, I spoke to uh, Liam Hoden from the Sheffield Star, so I wanted to find out how Donny have been getting on this season. He tells me that supporters seem to be happy with how it's going so far over at the Keep Moat. It has been a really positive start, uh, particularly because of the change of the manager during the summer, really unexpected, with uh, Darren Ferguson resigning. Uh, Grant McCann came in about a month later and uh, sort of set about straight away putting his, his own stamp on things and getting them playing how he wanted them to, to play. Um, and initially, he didn't know ex- whether the bits up to full strength for the start of the season, but they started really, really well playing some really good football. Players seem to have really accepted, like, sort of took on board what he wanted from them and what he wanted them to do. Um, and it's uh, it, it weren't going so well. It's just been this last sort of few weeks when, it's, when it has kind of tailed off uh, and uh, results haven't really come. I mean, were the, what was the good start sort of unexpected, really, after the, a summer of sort of changes? I think, I think, probably, I think, uh, such a strong start was un, uh, unexpected. I think there was, there was an element of the unknown with it all. Um, 
just didn't really know what to expect, whether they were going to be sort of up to speed and, and, and know exactly what, what they wanted from them. There were quite a few questions that needed to be answered. In terms, it's a very, very attack-minded system, and it would how the defence had cope with that. Now, initially, they were coping very well. It's only been in, in recent weeks when that's uh, that's tailed off. But, um, yeah, so I, th- I think that the sort of the strength of the start and being right up there from the off, right up towards the top of the table, that, that kind of was a bit unexpected, yeah. Yeah, I mean, had Grant McCann had a fair turnover of players in the summer, had he bought in his own squad? Not uh, not a massive amount, because I, th- I think that was the thing what we, we knew, regardless of whether it were going to be Darren Ferguson or somebody else, there were a really, really good foundation there. They had the sort of unexpected relegation to League Two bounce back straight away. The last season was sort of a bit of a transitional one, kind of building the squad, giving them some experience in League One. So the block was always going to be there. There weren't. There was never really going to be a, a massive amount of a turnover of players or on new people coming in. So it's only been a handful, really, four or five players that have come in over the summer that have, that have sort of just topped up what was already there. The ones that moved on as well were kind of that they were fringe players anyway. That nobody left who was kind of left a big hole uh, behind. So yeah, um, McCann just just kind of worked, just kind of polished up the squad really with, with people that he brought in. And what were the expectations for this season? Um, it's a funny one because the um, the whole setup and the whole sort of how to plan the budget and things like that. It's it's sort of been explained publicly that they. This, the, the the board set a budget that kind of roughly position them sixth or seventh best best budget in the division. So they hope to be up in, in that sort of. They, they believe very much that the budget is often reflected in the uh, in the finishing position. So kind of sixth, seventh, eighth, something like that. Have a good push for the playoffs. If they didn't get in the playoffs, then um, not the end of the world. But they hope to be up up and around there. I think. I think expectations probably among supporters, judging by what we've heard. I think with a big, big sort of change in the summer, expectations were pretty low, and particularly after last season when it wasn't the greatest season, it kind of petered out towards the end and sort of lower mid-table finish. I think people would have would have been happy with the top half finish, but it's amazing how our expectations quickly change. And after the started so well, and now had a few. Uh, Poor results, then, um, or, or sort of disappointing runner results, should I say, that people are starting to mourn now and they, they think that, oh, yeah, that's the end of it now and they're, they're, they're massively tailing off. Yeah, I mean, because uh, Doncaster's form looks a little bit like Charlton's in terms of they've been a bit streaky, perhaps going on runs on, of wins yeah. and then tailing off. I mean, so they're on a bit of a down at the moment. I mean, what do you think they've tailed off in the last couple of weeks? I don't, it's, it's difficult to be honest. <laughs> The, so that defensive solidity is just just gone. To what they had, because the, the thing it's, it's remarkable that they had any defensive solidity at all, given the manner that they play, because they leave themselves so exposed. But um, they were they were they were just handling that. They were sort of making they, they, they take a lock of bookings on it. Not particularly a dirty side. It's just um, that they're making challenges that they need to make to stop uh, opposition counter-attacking. That sort of defensive solidity is just, just kind of gone and they found themselves chasing games far too much. I don't really know what that, what that is. And, and I, I think as well, probably another thing that's down to them, not quite, despite the fact that in, in a lot of games they've scored quite a few goals, 
that sometimes the sort of the, the, the form in front of goal does let them down. If they scored three, go- they scored three goals the other week uh, in a three-all draw with Gillingham, and the feeling afterwards was a disappointment that they didn't score more because of the, the amount of chances that they had. So I think it's just been a sort of combination, really, that they found themselves chasing games and have not been able to quite produce that ruthlessness in front of goal that they had early on in the season. So who are the danger men that Charlton should be looking out for on Saturday? Because I know they've got a South London boy in John Marquise who's uh, who's obviously uh, in and amongst the goals as he always has been at Doncaster. Is he is he the main threat? Yeah, yeah, I'd always point to to John first and foremost. He uh, he is the main man really at the club, um, and and he's, and he's producing. He just he's, he's kind of now proven himself as a as a goal scorer at League One level, uh, and and there's plenty of suggestions that he could go on even even further you know, into the championship and and score goals there. He just works so hard. He gets himself into some great positions, and he brings other players into positions as well. So. He's a he's a massive one. I think his goal scoring record over the last two or three seasons really speaks for itself. And then probably another one I'd point to James Coppinger, still doing it at 30, uh, 37. I think he's coming up to thirty eight. Um, just still so creative, uh, causes so many problems, creates creates plenty of stuff. So he's been very good as well. The the um, one to watch out for, although you never quite know what you're going to get from him. They've got a, a youngster called Malik Wilkes on loan from uh, Leeds United, a striker. On his day, he's, he's so dangerous, so dangerous. He's powerful, strong, brings uh, just direct, um, really good left foot, but he's very up and down. I think a bit of frustration has come from that, but yeah, on his day, he, he's very dangerous and he particularly likes playing away from home it does like to wind uh, opposition supporters up so yeah. I think um, if, if he can do that he, he that often pushes him on and kicks him on and, and, and brings out his better performances so that might be one to watch out for on Saturday Yeah so how do you see uh, the game going on, on, on Saturday and with Doncaster's away records not too shabby really uh, that they've taken a few wins on the road this season. Are they the sort of team that are going to come to the Valley and open up and try and take the game to Charlton? Or are they going to sort of sit behind uh, the ball and try and make it difficult for us? No, they, they don't. The, the only thing that they know is attack, 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 and it's ultra-attacking, ridiculously positive. I think the reason that they've done well away from home is that it, there's a, it is a bit more open because obviously the onus is, is generally on the home team to, to attack. So they've... They've been able to work that space, um, so yeah, I expect they'll, they'll they'll come and they will they will have a really good go on 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 Saturday. Um, they're quite good on the counter. Um, they can they can get it from back to front very very quickly. Um, so yeah, it, it'll certainly be all our attack. There's been plenty. Of, they're really really entertaining to watch because. But particularly if you get two teams that are, are really going at each other, it's, it can, it's some great games. They played Sunderland last week, and that was very much like that. Really entertaining game. And when they went to Rochdale a few weeks ago, again, exactly the same thing. You're getting two teams that they can, they can always guarantee that Rovers are really going to have a go at it. Sometimes they probably could do with sort of shoring up a little bit, but it's not really in the nature at all. Liam Holden there from the uh, the Sheffield Star and the Donny uh, free press free press even um, <laughs> um, the absolute music to my ears there where he's saying that they'll come to us and they'll open up because mm. that is what we like to play against yeah and that's what Barnsley did and we obviously saw them off as well um, and I think if you 
go back to the Oxford game, which obviously you covered um, on that that Thursday podcast. That was where we struggled because they sat back and they didn't necessarily try and do that. So that is good news. They're obviously coming off the back of uh, two straight defeats, as you said earlier. And like you said, they got the three goals against Gillingham. But aside from that, they haven't scored a lot of goals in recent games. And um, yeah, we need to capitalise on that. We, you know, we've cut. We're coming off a, a defeat and a draw as well. But prior to that, our run have been pretty good. So. I think it's two teams who are kind of bouncing around the middle of the league who perhaps feel like they could push a little bit higher. So it should be quite an entertaining game, as the Barnsley one was a couple of weeks ago. Mm, yeah, I mean, Donny's start to the season had a few people surprised. I think they, they, they had a bit of a struggle, didn't they, last campaign? Uh, obviously, obviously they, they stayed up, but their, their streaky nature, is, like I said during the interview there with Liam, it's, it's been a bit similar to us. Like We've, we've had runs and then we find all of a sudden find ourselves in little downturns like we don't seem to be just getting one win here and there it seems to be in a run and then and then struggling again Nathan so you're hoping that a team that's you know just on a little bit of a downturn against us as well could make for a bit of an interesting game on Saturday yeah I think it will I mean when you've got the uh, ex-Mill John Marquise on your side I think you're always yeah, going to have London problems yeah as well John Marquise yeah. he's got a superb scoring record for him yeah and they, they've got one of my favourite midfielders who's an unknown called Jermaine Anderson I always sign a football manager but that's another story but um, <laughs> yeah I think it'll be a difficult game but like you say if they come up and open up that's the teams we're probably going to play play well against instead of people like Oxford who make make it difficult for us and try and nick a point that's when we struggle <laughs> but um, it's going to be a difficult game it'll be hard to call um, I mean, last time we played them, Fosu scored, didn't he? One 0 I think. Yeah, it was the, the um, one where the referee got wiped out as yeah. well. <laughs> and then the away game, they scored like last. Yeah, the away game, oh, the away yeah. game. We had, we won the like Patrick Bauer header. Yeah. We outplayed them. Fosu had it round the keeper yeah. and uh, cleared off the line. We had so many chances, yeah. and then they scored a deflected volley and fell to their guy and everyone, the last Harry minute, and everyone blamed, uh, blamed Harry Lennon and on the train back were singing he's a lemon <laughs> uh, which was funny in terms of a song but it was oh poor old Harry but yeah. um, he's gone now anyway uh, right just before we hear from Lee Barry as well a little bit of Charlton Live news actually we forgot to mention uh, delighted to announce that we've been uh, nominated for an award uh, we're on the shortlist uh, at the uh, Football Supporters Federation uh, 2008, uh, 2018 awards we're up for the club podcast of the year uh, there's six uh, podcasts up for it and uh, we're the only team outside of Premier League so we're delighted to be nominated for that uh, thanks for everyone who listens for, for getting NASA the, the, the other clubs involved are Wolves Man City Watford Fulham and Burnley so we're in and amongst the big boys there uh, we'll find out at some fancy dinner on December the 3rd uh, whether we've won or not even if we haven't it's just nice to be nominated mm. really so thank you for, to everyone uh, for for listening and getting us uh, on that on that list, uh, you, you can't vote for it, uh, which is good to be honest, because no one beat Man City in a vote, is it? But um, <laughs> uh, it'll be a panel. But anyway, we're just nominated and we're pleased for that. So thank you to to everyone for our kind messages on that as well today. Right here, uh, Lee Bowyer, looking ahead to Saturday's game. Um, obviously, after that superb run we had, where we had those four or five wins in a row. Uh, it's just tailed off now, one win in six uh, for for the addicts. So Bose was asked what Charlton need to do in order to re- recover us from that mini slump that has seen us win just that one game in six. Get back to what we're good at, um, competing uh, and moving the ball quickly. Uh, on on obviously Saturday, Barnsley. So it's the best they've played under myself and it's a team performance and it shows how good we are so then that's why I get so disappointed when we do 
drop sloppy points because it is sloppy and as as bad as what we was on Saturday we still missed a penalty hit the post hit the bar goal disallowed their goalkeeper was man of the match so it wasn't that bad but the, the thing that disappointed me was the, the competing side we didn't compete to, to what we normally do is but I, I think that that was the most disappointing for me last weekend and um, but now I've had a full week's training and preparation and uh, so I'm expecting us to get back to, to what we're good at and and start putting putting a run together as manager can you put your finger on why you stop competing no it just happens the human beings the you can't be these machines every game. You can't, and and I think they put so much into the to the Barnsley game, and then on the Tuesday again we was winning, and then we had a decision go against us. Um, and then they nicked a nicked a goal, and then on the Saturday we just maybe I should have freshened it up a, a bit more than what I did, some fresher legs. But for for myself, I, I've got to take some blame for that. I, I, I've got to learn from from last week, and and I did learn. Um, so yeah, it's we're all in this together. That's that's us, the fans. Fans were great again on Saturday, on Tuesday. And obviously, last Saturday against Barnsley, and we've all got to stick together. We're, we're what six points off fifth, six points of being in, in the playoff position. So with a game in hand, it doesn't look that good, like the, the number where we are. But we're we're not far off of it, and it's thirty odd games to go. So it's I, I know what we're capable of, and, and the players do, and and. and We'll just keep going and, and, and putting things right. And that's what we've been doing this week. Of course, a good win against Doncaster changes everything. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a long way to go. There's a lot of football to play and we've still got to play a lot of the teams that are above us and, and for some reason we always do better against them teams. So, uh, yeah, we'll, um, we'll be, we'll be in amongst it for, for sure. Is Lyle Taylor still your penalty taker despite missing that Rochdale? Yeah. I don't, he didn't miss it was a great save um, if he wanted to go and place it somewhere he wouldn't mind placing it where it was going because it was going in the side netting with pace it was a great save goalkeepers have got a 50-50 chance and they guess the right way um, and that's what he done the weekend um, so yeah he's still on penalties unless he chooses not to his first refusal Um but yeah, that's uh, he's definitely on the penalty. Yeah. And I gather he there's an injury problem with Lyle. Is that correct? Yep, Lyle's gone for a scan this morning. Uh, after training on Tuesday, he said he had a bit of soreness um, in his like lower abdomen area. So he's he came in yesterday. Still wasn't no better. Came in this morning and gone for a scan. Um, so fingers crossed it's nothing too serious but 
we, we can't control that. That's, that's just the way things are going at the moment. And Lewis Page out for six weeks, I gather. Yep, still got another six weeks to go. So we thought that he might. He went for a scan, I think, earlier on in the week, and we was hoping then he would get the all clear and start training. But no, another month's gone on top of that. So yeah, that's that's a massive setback. Lebo, you're there speaking to Tony Hyde from BBC Radio. Kent, looking ahead to Saturday's home game uh, with Doncaster. I mean, where to start from from all that? I mean, obviously, team news is interesting. Now, the the biggest headline out of that is the fact that Lyle Taylor, our top scorer, is a doubt with some sort of stomach muscle injury. Now, it's a doubt and not a ruled out. And Bo, there was there was quotes from Boya saying that he was hoping to try and get him through the next two games. So we're at home. On uh, on Saturday against Donny, then we're away to Warsaw on Tuesday, and he's hoping to be able to get him through to them when the international break is with the Portsmouth game off. Yeah, uh, if he isn't playing, I mean that's going to be a big old miss for us. Yeah, massive, and it's it's one of them things that I think we've said in terms of personnel and quality, the squad is pretty good this year. But again, it's still a small squad, and um, we haven't rotated a lot, and that's credit to him and and Carlin because they've been so so good up front, um, but. Yeah, I mean, he's been away with Montserrat, hasn't he, this month as well. So he's had a long journey. He's played an extra game there. Um, all of that adds up and, and he probably needs a break. Um, but as you say, there's a, a natural break coming because we've got the FA Cup, uh, which you would think we'd rest a few players and we've got the Portsmouth game, which is obviously off. So uh, there is a potential gap coming up. It's just about whether we can kind of give him an injection or whatever because there's no point playing him if he's not going to be at his best as well. So if there is a way of playing him and... And then giving him that that couple of weeks, I think that's good. If not, you know, look, Igor hasn't maybe shown us everything that we'd like, but he's a good player. Um, you've got like the likes of Tariq who can maybe come in and maybe we change that formation up slightly. You've still got a Jose as well, who I, I personally don't want to see start, but if he does, again, he's done it at this level before, not with us particularly, but he has. So we've got options, but when you look at what Lars brought to the team this season, it's it's hard to say that any of them will be up at his level, unfortunately. Yeah, I was going to say, Nath, if Lyle doesn't make it, what would be your preference at the top of the pitch? Nabby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... Perhaps. <laughs> anyway, deals. I'd have deals out there. No, I think with, uh, like Tom said, I mean, Jose, I think him and Carlin would be too similar. I don't mm. think you'd, we'd get a lot up, um, up there. But listen, I might be proved wrong, but I'd probably have to say... Uh, Igor, I would say, because mm. my love for Igor is obviously still strong. Yeah. Um, but I'd, yeah, I'd say Igor, or like Tom to make a point, you could change it around and then have Fosu floating around. But then you're going, then you're needing sort of Carlin to say really central. And it's 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 not the the ability. It's it's the it's the build up playing yeah. that that we'll struggle with. That's why I say Igor for me. I know it was against Stevenage, but his link up play was very good that night. Uh, now, obviously, the other big talking point will probably be the defence situation. Now, you know, we, we've seen Prattley there, we've seen Billick there, we've seen Saar there playing with, with him and Pierce on the wrong side, two left footers. So, which way will he go after Billick struggled in defensive midfield, despite the fact he's played well there before? Prattley's done fine at the back, but Billick has played extremely well at the back against against uh, Barnsley a mm. couple of weeks ago. I mean, which way do we go with that one? Do we change it again? Does playing Prattley out of position merit having Billick at central defensive midfield when Josh Cullen plays so well yeah. at central defensive midfield no, not for me because you think of Coppinger in their midfield you want someone like a Prattley in there to kind of stop him and then Billick at the back can deal with the forwards um, so personally I would have Billick and Pierce at the back 
Um, and then, yeah, then you're looking at um, either Cullen or Prattley in, in the base of that diamond, unless we don't go with a diamond and put them both in. So I think they offer something different to each other, but you would expect whoever is in that role is going to be watching their midfield as they come forward as well. Um, but yeah, I'd have Billet back in. As I say, I think he did a good job at Barnsley. I, I know, obviously I wasn't there, but I know he struggled in that last game, but it was a different position. So for me, you put him back at centre-back, I'm sure he'll have a good game. Yeah, Bose also mentioned that Page's injury looks like it's going to be another six weeks. The original timeout was going to be six weeks, but that was maybe three or four ago already after he came off in the defeat of Scunford. So that does mean we're going to have to keep having this lopsided defence with Solly playing on the wrong side. Not that he does too badly there. Um, but it, it would tamper us going forward, in, perhaps with the week, with the with the uh, fullbacks getting forward, which is a, a shame. Right now, um, time to look ahead for a Jacko's jackpot bet. We've done really well so far this season. We've won three, mm. uh, well, out of loads, but we're still free. Free. There's two more than we won last season, so we we weren't hoping to get some more money for the upbeats on the weekend. Nathan, which one have, have we gone for? Probably well, win this one, aren't we? As well. Yeah. Well, I did sort of put out a discussion, and Tom sort of piped up and said that he's one. So. <laughs> Uh, Tom's gone for uh, no, it's, it's a good one to be fair. Chal- Charlton, Charlton win, gone for. yeah. Charlton got Charlton win and over three and a half goals in the whole game. So, so we yeah. had a four 0 win or three one or five four seven one. Are we fine? Yeah, yeah eight nil again. Yeah. So yeah. what, what are the odds on that one? Uh, it's, Fifteen quid gets me off two pound fifty. Right. Five to one. Yeah, that'd be lovely. That way, again uh, for the, the 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 coffers for the Charlton upbeats. Right, let's have your actual predictions, Tom. Nil nil. <laughs> 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 I was no, I think we will win. Uh, maybe not by that many. Yeah, I think maybe two, two nil. Nice, three two Charlton. Yeah. yeah. And what's There's your prediction in the uh, club podcast of the year award? What? Uh, I, I, so on that, I hope it, imagine if we won it and Roland gave us the award. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I can't see that happening. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> right. But, yeah, no, I think I think hopefully we'll do well. Yeah, right. We've run out of time here on uh, Charlton Live. Uh, uh, award-nominated Charlton Live <laughs> preview show. Uh, thank you for, for tuning in and listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. Tom, thanks for coming in. Cheers. Uh, Nathan. Cheers. See you Saturday. I've been Louis Mendes. This has been Charlton Live. We'll be back again in the studio. We survived, by the way. Just noticed. Uh, back again in the studio. Uh, carbon monoxide uh, allowing uh, on Sunday to look back at whatever happens here at the Valley against Doncaster. Let's hope that it's Charlton getting back on the winning trail getting three points again and getting back into that top six which isn't possible because we're miles off it at the moment but eventually right I've been the Minutes. thanks for listening we'll see you later Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.